reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. And here we go. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on Monday, January 31st, 2022. Kicking off the show, The Distance by Cake. Off their debut album, Fashion Nugget, back in the mid-90s. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden. Played that song because my man, Matthew John Stafford, is one game away from going the distance and winning a Super Bowl. Today's show will be all about Championship Weekend. We will talk a little bit about uh, some of the coaches. Uh, We didn't get to that last show. We'll try to get to that towards the end of today's show. But we begin with yet another phenomenal Sunday of NFL playoff football. Started with the Chiefs and the Bengals, and then, of course, the nightcap with the Rams and the 49ers. So let's just dive right in. Uh, I told you guys on Saturday I didn't think the Bengals could beat the Chiefs because I thought that their old line wouldn't hold up. I said Mahomes isn't going to turn the ball over the way Ryan Tannehill turned the ball over. And although I've been on the Bengals now for a while, <clears throat> in a good way, and have liked them for a while, I, I, I chickened out. i got to admit, I chickened out. Although, at 21-3 in the first half, with the Bengals seemingly not able to do anything on offense and not being able to stop the Chiefs on defense, um, it looked, <laughs> looked like a pretty good call. I mean, the Chiefs went right down the field. Bengals got the ball first, went three and out. Chiefs went right down the field, scored. I think the Bengals maybe kicked a field goal to get to 7-3, and then the Chiefs scored twice more and made it 21-3. And it looked like this was going to be a blowout. And, you know, look, I think the Bengals, even before winning yesterday, had exceeded all expectations to make it to the AFC Championship. And when I say exceeded all expectations, certainly outside expectations. Now, internally, you know, Joe Burrow has been saying this now for a while. You know, we're not underdogs anymore. We're supposed to be here. That's for you guys to say. And you would expect nothing less from the quarterback of the team to say stuff like that. Now, whether he genuinely believed that, who knows? But that's the attitude you want your quarterback to have. And remember, Joe Burrow, yes, he's in his second year. He is, I think, 24 already, maybe even 20. And he's not 25. I think he's 24 because, you know, he was a transfer, right? He he started his career at Ohio State, ended up at LSU. So he was in college for a while, I think five years. Um, So he's 24. So he's not, you know, a bright-eyed kid, 20, 21, who barely played in college. Um, And obviously won a national championship at LSU. So... Uh, that game at 21-3 looked like it was going to be a rout. And then Chief, uh, Bengals scored a touchdown, get it to 
And then the Chiefs drive the length of the field. You know, they, they, the, the, the Bengals scored with about a minute left, right? And, you know, I was joking. Samaj Piran scored the touchdown uh, on a draw play. I was like, no, 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 go down at the one-yard line. Go down because you don't want to give the Chiefs. Obviously, as we saw last week, you don't want to give the Chiefs any time at all. And they scored the minute left. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, look, hopefully let's just see, you know, because I was rooting for the Bengals. Let's see if we can hold the Chiefs here to a field goal. Well, Chiefs marched way down the field, had some clock management issues. By the way, that had been a bugaboo for for Andy Reid. He had many, many, many and major clock management issues when he was with the Eagles. It was sort of a running joke, you know. The Eagles fans didn't find it particularly funny. But um, that that had long been a bugaboo for him. Seemed to, you know, have gotten over that in recent years with the Chiefs. Um, so didn't manage the clock particularly well on that drive. And then, of course, with five seconds to go, rather than just kick the field goal, because they had no timeouts now, right? And I don't understand they're at the two-yard line, but um, you got to kick the field goal there and take the points. They got greedy. Mahomes made a bad decision, completed a pass inbounds to Tyreek Hill inexplicably. Um, Bengals tackled him inbounds, clock ran out. That was that. Now, you know, and especially with the Chiefs starting with the ball in the third quarter, I mean, just take the points there. Go, go up 23-10. to 10. You're going to start with the ball in the third quarter. So the whole game changed right there. The whole complexion of that game changed at the end of the first half. Now the Bengals have some life. The Chiefs are deflated. Uh, typically, these sideline reporters give you nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> but Tracy Wilson reported that Andy Reid was real mad at half. Despite being up 21-10, he was not happy about the way the Chiefs botched that at the end there in the first half. And it certainly translated and into the second half and the third, you know, third quarter and the whole second half. Because Mahomes played poorly in the second half. Bengals started to get some life. And then the next biggest play of that game was my guy, B.J. Hill, Talked about him on Saturday. Not as good as Larry Ogunjobi, but a good, stout, solid player with an amazing play with getting that interception off Mahomes. And uh, and then there went the Bengals. And then they drove the field, and McPherson made another big kick. And uh, adios. See you later, Chiefs. Hello, Super Bowl Cincinnati. I mean, it was tremendous. And, you know, it's funny. You know, Mahomes threw two interceptions in the second half. Second one was kind of a tip ball, try to force it into to Tyreek Hill. Um, I think, was it a Wouzier or was it Eli Apple? I forget which of the two was there. They tipped it. Von Bell, the safety, came over and caught it. Um, Eli Apple had one go right through his hands earlier in the game. Might have been a pick six. And, you know, usually when you don't capitalize on those types of opportunities against almost any quarterback, but particularly a quarterback of Mahomes' caliber, that usually spells doom. And then the other big thing was, you know, we talked all week about, uh, or not all week, but we talked on the show and we talked about, you know, about uh, Trey Hendrickson, how good he's been, the defensive end that they signed away from the Saints. He was getting stoned in the first half by Orlando Orlando, uh, Brown Jr., uh, stoned, got nowhere near my homes. Well, he had a big second half, and as did Sam Hubbard, who also didn't. You know, the, the entire front for the Bengals got nowhere near Mahomes in the first half. 
I mean, yes, he made an, a, an amazing play to escape and throw that touchdown to Tyreek Hill. But aside from that, uh, he had very little uh, resistance. But the Bengals' front played much better in the second half and really got after Mahomes. And, I mean, look, they got that big sack late in the game um, when the, the Chiefs tied it. I mean, that, 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 you know, they forced the fumble. You know, luckily for the Chiefs, uh, I think it was Joe Tooney was able to fall on the ball. Um, but that could have proven to be disastrous. Um, but, uh, hey, listen, give the Bengals a ton of credit. And Burrow played well. I mean, again, he didn't put up big gaudy numbers, but he played well. Um, you know, did throw a bad pick. He tried to force one, and it was a very nice play by the corner, uh, for the Chiefs. I think it was Javarius Sneed. Um, you know, basically ran the route. And undercut it on a on a you know on, on a on an out pattern, um, but aside from that, Burrow played really well. I mean, did it with his legs. You know, again, this guy tore his ACL last year. Now I understand it's not like it used to be. ACL used to be a death sentence for an NFL player. Now guys come back from it routinely and and don't miss a beat. But um, you know, you, you you could forgive Burrow if he'd be a little tentative running around. Uh, you know, you're one year removed from an ACL. Uh, he, he, he wasn't tentative at all. He ran great. You know, it, it showed some Mahomes-like ability to escape. Got big first downs on third down. Ran for three first downs. Completed some big passes to all three of the receivers. Chase, Boyd, Higgins. Um, they lost their tight end. Poor kid, Azuma, who had been a revelation for the Bengals this year. Uh, didn't miss a beat there, really. Bengals O-line held up pretty well. Mixon gave him some stuff on the ground, as did uh, Pirine. And the defense played pretty well. I mean, aside from getting blitzed in the first half, I mean, what did they get? They gave it three points in the second half. Got two interceptions. I think three or four sacks. I mean, Tremendous credit to the Bengals and the coaching staff. I mean, you're down 21-3 in that building, one of the hardest places in the NFL to play, against that quarterback, against that team that was rolling here for the last, what, eight, nine weeks of the year. With the Super Bowl on the line. And you don't run and hide. You don't turtle. You hang in there. You grind. Tremendous. Tremendous job. Kudos to the Bengals. Second game. Wow. <laughs> wow. Rams come out, look great. Defense firing. Offense drives, moves the ball down the field. Stafford throws Scott, I think it was Cup, open. Throws the ball just behind him. Ball gets tipped, interception. Like, uh oh. Here we go. It's going to be one of those days, or what are, what, are we doing? what are we doing here? Because the Rams completely outplayed the 49ers in the first half, and yet somehow we're trailing 10-7. Rams should have been up 17-7 probably, I, I would say, right? They had that interception. They had a couple other drives stall out. Um, not like the Niners were doing much with the ball either, but boy, is that Debo Samuel good. I mean, he is really one hell of a player. I mean, he runs with a ferocity and a passion that is rare in, in, in any position. Um, 
you know, he is in a very unique wide receiver. I mean, most guys are not built like he is at that position. They don't play with the physicality that he does. I mean, there have been some guys, you know, Heinz Ward, who's a dirty player, by the way. But, um, you know, and my guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, is sort of in that mold. And Steve Smith was kind of like that when he played for the Chiefs. And DJ Moore is a little bit like that. I mean, not for the Chiefs, for the Panthers. Uh, DJ Moore on the Panthers also from Maryland, uh, also a little bit like that. But, I mean, the, Debo Samuel is very there, – there's nobody like him in the league. I mean, he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but he's he's as good with the ball in his hand after the catch as Tyreek Hill because he just will run people over. I mean, he, he – D-backs want no part of him. And it's not like he's gigantic, but he's thick, and he runs so hard. And he's shifty. He's just a great, great player. And you saw how much it meant to him after the game. And that was an, actually a nice little little act of sportsmanship by OBJ to go over to him and kind of put his arm around him. Um, you know, the receiver, it's not like the old days. You know, but in the old days, quarterbacks were always a fraternity. And you'd see quarterbacks talking to each other after games, even if it was a heart-wrenching or a gut-wrenching loss. Um, now it's all the position groups for the most part, it would appear. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. just saying it's different. Um, but let's talk about some of the, the, the nuances of this game. Um, first of all, Sean McVay coached maybe one of the worst games you will ever see. It is a miracle the Rams won that game. They won that game in spite of Sean McVay. He was atrocious yesterday. Had the Rams lost that game, he would be getting killed today on every show, in the papers, and rightfully so. He was awful. Let's first start with the idiotic challenge um, on the spot of the ball on a fourth down quarterback sneak. Now, I understand, I guess Stafford, there was a stat that Stafford was 28 for 30 in his career on QB sneaks. They did not run him on very many QB sneaks when he was with Detroit. Now, I think part of that early in his career was because, you know, he had, he was hurt his first two seasons, right? He didn't he didn't make it through a full season. So then part of it was to try to maybe preserve him. But look, I love Matthew Stafford. As you guys know, I'm his number one fan. Um, there is an art form to being good at QB sneaks. Brady's the best at it in the league. Um, it's, th- it's not Matthew's strong suit, right? You have to wait like half a beat there and let the, the, the crease open and then dive down. That's what Brady's so good at. Matthew's not that good at that. Um, so I was surprised his percentage is that good, but you know he's been in the league what twelve years, thirty times in twelve years is not a huge amount, right? Brady might get fifteen in a season. He might get a first down on QB sneaks. So I didn't like the play call there, but I especially didn't like the play call on third down when it was third and less than a yard, and they threw the ball. I, I mean, what are you doing, Sean McVay? And then it was clear he didn't get it. And by the way, you never challenge a spot of the ball unless it's so obvious because they never overturn it because it's too hard, particularly on a QB sneak like that where it's just a sea of humanity. It's beyond idiotic. It's reckless is what it is. So that was awful. And then (laughs) after the... (laughs) The Rams defense gets a huge third down stop of no gain, and it's fourth and two 
and they're on their own side of the 50, the 49ers aren't going to go for it there. So you're going to get the ball back. Listen, I understand field position, but, I mean, you're getting the ball back. And it, again, it was obvious that Juszczyk didn't fumble there. Obvious. And it's your last time out in a close game, and you challenge again? What are you doing? Again, just purely reckless, stubborn, stupid, silly man, as Kramer would say. I mean, just awful. Sean McVay was awful yesterday. The play calling at the end uh, in the first half when uh, when Gay missed the fifty four yarder. I mean that should have been a shorter kick, but they got stupidly conservative and ended up losing yards. Bad job, Adam McVay. But when it was seventeen seven with about three minutes to go in the third quarter, I was watching this game with a couple of buddies of mine. I said, "Listen, we're okay," and they were all rooting for the Rams. I said, "We're okay." I've seen Stafford do this many, many times. He's going to get hot. I understand he's not looked great so far. He's been a little bit off. He's going to get hot. Fourth quarter. That's his time. Sure enough. Zoop, zoop, zoop. I mean, the Rams ran it okay yesterday. Wasn't great. And that's what I said on Saturday, right? And I said it was going to be a field goal game. I said the Rams would persevere. Because, I look, very evenly matched teams. Rams can rush the passer. Niners can rush the passer. Rams have some guys in the secondary make some plays. So do the Niners. Rams have some good linebackers. So do the Niners. Thought the Niners were a better running team. Rams better pass. Debo Samuel's great. They don't have the depth at receiver that the Rams have, right? Cooper Cup, triple crown this year. Catches, yards, touchdowns. Uh, OBJ is now, as we said, is playing like the OBJ, the good OBJ on the Giants early in his career. He's back, you know, looks healthy. He's motivated. He's inspired. He's into it. And uh, I know he didn't have much of a game yesterday, but Van Jefferson is, you know, can be a dangerous deep threat. And then you saw it. I mean, look, I, I get it. <clears throat> it was a tough play, but it's third down. And I understand you see from, from Garoppolo's angle, I'm talking about the interception now that sealed the game. I mean, you just, that's that's a reckless play. You can't do that. And Jimmy G's been in the league long enough. You should know better. Now, I get it. He's got three guys draped on him, and he's in panic mode. But you got to know it's third down. You got you to just take the sack there and live to fight another down. Now, it's unlikely they're probably going to get it there. But, I mean, and I, again, from his angle, it looks like the running back's open. But he's flipping the ball backhanded, basically, while he's, you know, an inch from hitting the ground. And, of course, you know, the ball came out high, clanged off the, the you know, the fingertips of the, uh, the running back and, you know, into the waiting arms of the defender for the Rams. And that was that. And isn't it interesting? You know, as a Lions fan, I'd watch Matthew bring the Lions back and give them either tie the game or give them the lead late in the fourth quarter many, many times only to see the Lions lose because the defense can never get a, a damn stop when they need it to. Well, this Rams defense can actually get stops when they need them. It's interesting, isn't it? What being in uh, on a on a good, well-rounded team can do for a quarterback. So, I mean, look, if there was any, there, there's never doubt in my mind, as we know. But after he beat Brady in Tampa last week, and now they beat their nemesis, the Niners, yesterday. I mean, I don't care. I don't care what happens in the Super Bowl. I, he could throw. He could have a stinker. He's not going to. But he could have a stinker. 
And I, and this nonsense that he's not a winner. Uh, goodbye, please. Give me a break. This guy, again, I'll say it again. He's everything good about the NFL. Everything. And I want to hear about, oh, his wife is annoying on social media. Who cares? Grow up. I'm worrying about what Matthew Stafford's wife's doing on Instagram. Give me a break. Honestly, if you're worried about what Matthew Stafford's wife is doing on Instagram, you need to re-examine your choices. <laughs> so, look, we'll 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 get into more analysis of the Super Bowl since obviously we have the uh, we have the break now. But I think I said this to my dad earlier. I was right. I figured Rams would be favored by four. They are now that you know that may move depending on how the money comes in, um, but I don't think it'll ever be less than three. Rams are favored. Listen, count the Bengals out at your own peril. Um, yes, on paper the Rams are a better team, not by much though. Bengals. Bengals are feisty. Now, that Rams D-line should give the Bengals offensive line some fits. I mean, it's much better than the KC's D-line. I mean, KC's D-line, Chris Jones had a couple of chances at Bur- Burrow and he on one play even, and Burrow did an amazing job getting rid of him. He didn't have a huge game. Frank Clark, nowhere to be found, making $20 million a year. Yeah, I don't think they called his number once. He was offsides a couple times. I know that. Um... You know, the Chiefs' deep line is not as good as the Rams. I mean, first of all, Aaron Donald is the best defensive lineman in football. Let's just, that's that's just a fact. It's an unassailable fact. The guy is tremendous. Um, Von Miller looks rejuvenated. He's been playing great. Um, you know, we talked about I mean, Ashawn Robinson has played very well. I mean, this is what the Lions thought they were getting when they drafted him uh, four or five years ago. Leonard Floyd plays, you know, makes plays. Jalen Ramsey's really good in, in, in the secondary. Although, again, dropped a surefire pick six yesterday. He, he's not had a... I mean, look, I get it. They don't throw at him a lot. Um, he, he He's come up small here now twice. Got beat by Mike Evans for a touchdown when the, the the only thing you don't do is let the guy get behind you. He let Mike Evans get behind him in that game against Tampa. And then yesterday had a chance for a pick six and bowling right through his hands. He's not, I'm not saying he's not a great player. He is. And I, I guess what that tells me is he's probably due to, to play really well in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, because they, I would not be surprised. The Rams will likely put him on Jamar Chase and just let him blanket him or attempt to and go wherever Jamar Chase goes, Jalen Ramsey's going to go, I would think. Now, as we've said, Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd are not chopped liver. They're pretty good. But you'd think if you're the Rams, you say, look, uh, we're not letting Jamar Chase beat us. And, you know, we've got supposedly the number one cover corner in the league in Jalen Ramsey. We'll see. See how, see how the... Who's it? Raheem Morris is their D coordinator. We'll see what he decides to do there. Um, but yeah, I mean, thrilled, 
thrilled for Matthew. Happy to see the Rams. I understand they were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and it was a dud against the Patriots. Maybe the worst Super Bowl ever. Seriously. Awful, awful game. I guess you could say the Chargers-Niners was the worst Super Bowl just because it was so lopsided. Some of those Giants-Denver games were pretty stinky too. But, I mean, at least in the Chargers-Niners game, I mean, the Niners lit up the scoreboard, and the Giants did a little bit too against against the Denver, you know, Phil Sims had that, you know, almost near perfect game. I mean, that that New England Rams game was just awful. I mean, the, the Patriots offense didn't do much. The Rams offense, of course, did nothing. And then when they had opportunities, you know, uh, Brandon Cooks dropping touchdowns, uh, please. Uh, that, was a, that was what a stinker that game was. So, uh, but, you know, and obviously the Rams, when they were the greatest show on turf, were in the Super Bowl a few times, and that was fun to watch. But, um, it's nice to see some new blood in here. Obviously thrilled for Matthew that he's in the Super Bowl. And I'm happy to see the Bengals in there. It's nice to get some new blood. Enough already with the Chiefs and the Patriots every two seconds. So, and not that the Chiefs aren't entertaining, but I, I, there, there's something a bit unseemly about them. I, I don't know. They they have some, you know, we talked about it last week. I mean, they have some players on the team. Yeah, it just, ugh. Not a big fan of. So, just a tremendous weekend again. I mean, you know, these games coming down to the last seconds, you know, it's you can't ask for more as a fan. You really can't. It's been thrilling. Now, the officiating has been wretched. And it was bad in both games yesterday, too. I mean, they missed a bunch of calls. I mean, they missed a blatant pass interference call uh, in the Chiefs game. There was a play with Mixon towards the end where, you know, they said he gave himself up. I think that was debatable. And then he put the ball down and the Chiefs recovered. But they said the play was over because he'd given himself up. If I was a Chiefs fan, I would not be thrilled with that call at all. Um, So, you know, but, again, you know, they missed a blatant face mask on Burrow. Uh, it was bad for both teams, and it was bad for both teams in the Niners and the Rams game yesterday, too. I mean, when Stafford threw that interception, they, the guy hit him in the head, blatant call. I mean, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, you know, if that's uh, either of the number 12s, you know they're making the call every time. Somehow my guy can't get that call. So that would overturn the interception, set that whole drive up. It would have been completely different, more, most more than likely. Uh, but to be fair, the Rams got away with a couple delay game uh, penalties. You know, I understand they always give the, the, the for some reason it's allowed to give the teams an, an extra half a second after the clock hits double zero. But uh, those are a couple of them were like well after half a second the Rams got away with yesterday. Also, by the way, that's on Sean McVay. It's not on my guy. Get the fucking play call in on time, please, Mister Offensive Genius. I find him annoying, I have to say. I do. I, I find Sean McVay annoying. Not saying, and, and listen, he, he he is a good coach. I mean, he is. It's the second time now in the Super Bowl. But he does some very head-scratching things from time to time. All right, let's talk about some of these coaching hires. Talk about the hires. There's a lot of jobs open. Um, so we'll talk about the Giants first. They hired Joe 
Shane, I guess you pronounce the name. S-C-H-O-E-N, Shane, Joe Shane, away from uh, Buffalo. And not surprisingly, he hired Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator from Buffalo. Um, uh, you know, listen, Dable has done a tremendous job with Josh Allen, playing to his strengths, designing an offense that, that caters to Allen's many physical talents, right? His ability to run, his size, his strong arm. Um, Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen. Now, Daniel Jones is not as stiff as far as physical ability is concerned. He's pretty mobile, although we'll see, you know, neck injuries are no small thing. And he had a neck injury this year. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not he's fully healed, how that plays into what the Giants and Dable's ability, you know, will be to, to, to you know, call design runs for him. Um, but, you know, he's he's got some skills now, Daniel Jones. He's had a horrible offensive line, and any time they have a decent skill position player, those guys get hurt. So um, it'll be, you know, very – and this is the last year of Daniel Jones' rookie contract. So this is a make-or-break year for him with the Giants. You know, he'll get a shot at, with another team if the Giants elect not to bring him back to either compete for a job or be a backup and try to resurrect his career somewhere else. But um, it'll be very interesting to see what Dable does here. Because, you know, you look at the Bills' offensive line, there's not a ton of big names there, right? But they're good enough. But a lot of that's Allen. So, you know, look, the Giants' first foremost priority is fix the offensive line. Gettleman could not get it right in the however many years he was there. Um, the good news is is uh, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, has made massive improvement. And so it looks like at least you got a, a cornerstone player there at the most important position on the line. Uh, the rest of the line is all TBD. Uh, boy, I was really wrong about Will Hernandez. I thought he was going to be a stud left guard. He's been anything but. Um, so the Giants got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Looks like they're going to keep Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, unless he gets a head coaching job somewhere else. Um, I think he interviewed in Minnesota, but it would appear that Jim Harbaugh may be headed to Minnesota because their GM that they just hired uh, worked with uh, the Niners when their front office when Harbaugh was the head coach there, and they apparently have a very strong relationship. Um, should be noted, two uh, black guys got GM job. The Vikings guy. Uh, his name escapes me. Um, I think it's like Quase Oso. Let me let me look it up. Um, and um, the Bears guy uh, is it Ryan Poles? Quase Adolfo Mensa is the new GM for Minnesota. Came from Cleveland most recently. And the Bears, is it Ryan Poles? I know the last name is Poles. New Bears GM. Let's take a look. Yeah, Ryan Poles, and he came from the Chiefs. So, you know what? Good on those organizations. Look, it starts at the top. I mean, you know, it just is. And I'm not advocating, by the way, to hire a black guy just because he's a black guy, right? Qualified candidates only. You hire the most qualified candidate. But how is it that, you know, Pat Shermer somehow got two opportunities in the NFL to be a head coach? Pat Shermer. Mike Malarkey got two jobs 
in the NFL. I mean, give me a break. And it wasn't like they were successful the first time around. Pat Shermer stunk with Cleveland and he stunk with the Giants. Malarkey stunk. Where I forgot where he was the first time. Maybe it was in Atlanta or Buffalo. And then he, I mean, he's not any good. So, good on those organizations. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, listen, the, the, the Lions hired Brad Holmes last year. So far, so good. We'll see. But, you know, this guy paid his dues. So, you would think that the, the, the Shane-Dable relationship and pairing will work with the Giants since they have a relationship already coming from Buffalo. And, you know, Shane has said all the right things and so has uh, Dable so far. I mean, you know, look, it, this it, it, to some extent, this stuff is kind of a crapshoot. But I like... You know my thing. I'm always like, hire guys from organizations that have a long track record of winning, right? It, sh- it should not be that hard, okay? T- except for the Patriots, right? Because for whatever reason, well, not for whatever reason. We know why. Because Be- Belichick and Brady were why that organization was as successful as it was, okay? And everybody else was a bit player. I, I'm sorry. That, that That's just fact. If you just look at the history of the assistants that have left the Patriots either in the front office or the coaching ranks to be a GM somewhere else or a head coach somewhere else, they've largely been disastrous. Which brings us to the Raiders. <laughs> Those dopes just hired uh, Josh McDaniels to be the head coach and what's the GM's name? Some guy from the Patriots. Uh, let's see. New... Raiders, GM, uh, Dave Ziegler, and who I, I have to admit I don't know much about. I know he's been with the Patriots organization for a while. Um, and Josh McDaniels, who we also flamed out famously in Denver, right? They lost. They lost badly. He was, you know, imminently unlikable. Shocker. Um, you know. And then had the fiasco a couple of years ago where he took the Colts job and then he left them at the altar and made them look stupid. Um, and the fact that any would any organization would give that creep another job after that nonsense is beyond me. It's beyond me. And, you know, he's another one who's a real genius when he had Tom Brady. Now, I, look, I understand Mac Jones had a decent year this year for a rookie. Played pretty well early, did not play very well late. Um, and so you could say, you know, if you want to be in the pro McDaniels camp, well, he, he also did a good job with somebody not, tamed, not named Tom Brady. Eh, okay. How's that offense last year when Cam Newton was the quarterback? And listen, I get it. Cam Newton's not any good anymore. He's shot. But, you know, these guys, again, same thing, same thing with the Packers. You know, Denver hired Nathaniel Hackett. We talked about that, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, Joe Philbin, Ben McAdoo, Exhibit A, Exhibit B. Awful coaches. Not so great when you don't have Aaron Rodgers. Not so smart, huh? So, I mean, uh, I will be rooting for, and it's, it, I feel bad because I do like Derek Carr. 
I, I think the kid's head is in the right place. I think his heart's in the right place. He tries hard. He cares. Seems like a good dude. Uh, sorry, I, 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 will, I will be rooting for the Raiders to lose every game this year. <laughs> and then the Bears hired Matt Eberflus. I mean, can you be successful with a name like Matt Eberflus? It's a, it's a, it's a funny name. Um, obviously, had a lot of success with the Colts as a defensive coordinator. That's where he came from. Saw his press conference, said all the right things, talked about how they're going to play fast and aggressive and hard on defense. Um, it'll be interesting. The big job there is he's got to get uh, an offensive coordinator that's a bit of a quarterback guru and whisperer, right, because they've got, uh, you know, Fields as the quarterback, right? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, so those those are the jobs that, that are filled um and of course the raiders in typical raider fashion mark davis channeling his 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 old man al in a big f u to the league announced it yesterday now there's an unwritten rule that teams are not supposed to make major hiring announcements the same day as playoff games <laughs> but raiders are gonna raider so uh, didn't work out with Mayock and Gruden. Uh, and now they've got, you know, is this Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia 2.0? We shall see. Um, bunch of jobs still open. All right. You've got Jacksonville still open. Vikings coaching job is still open. You've got, uh, well, what? There were nine jobs over in Houston. Jobs still open. By the way, I just saw Josh McCown, former, you know, scrub, you know, well-traveled backup quarterback whose only coaching experience is high school is being considered for the head job in Houston. Are you kidding me? This ain't the NBA. Well, you can just take a player and with no coaching experience, and it doesn't really matter sometimes if you have enough talent. I mean, that's – I mean, seriously, if you're Eric Bieniemy, who's been the offensive coordinator now for the Chiefs for a while and one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL, and you can't get a job, and Josh McCown is somehow going to get a job when his only coaching experience is high school, that is a bad look. For the NFL, by the way, if that's the case. But they've got this uh, Jeff Cesario from the Patriots, another jerk in their <laughs> front office. So, um, and apparently it's because they have shared values of faith, family, and football. I mean, if that's not a red flag, I mean, are you nuts? Seriously, Roger Goodell needs to step in if that's the hire that Houston wants to make. That's a disgrace. I mean, look, why does Josh McCown not have to pay his dues like everybody else? Why can't he be a quarterback coach first and then a coordinator and then maybe get an NFL head coaching job? Because he has the shared values of faith and family? Give me a break. What a joke that is. If that happens, by the way, I'll root for them to go 0-16 too. The Giants filled their job, Bears filled their job, Raiders filled their job. Jacksonville still needs a coach. Minnesota still needs a coach. 
Houston still needs a coach. Who am I missing? That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, let's see. Dallas brought back McCarthy by the skin of his teeth. Oh, the Saints need a coach now because Sean Payton decided to quit on them when the going got tough. Now they don't have Drew Brees and they're in salary cap hell. So bye-bye. So by the way, uh, and this is no you know big revelation. Everybody knows this. Sean Payton will be coaching the Cowboys next year because uh, McCarthy, we know, is not a good coach. He got bailed out for years by having Aaron Rodgers and then also the refs on his side by extension. So he's not a very good coach. He showed it this year in the playoffs. He's a, he's a bad coach. Now, Dallas has a lot of talent on that team, particularly on offense, but he's a bad coach. Um, so, you know, anything short of winning the Super Bowl is going to de- be deemed a disappointment because that's how the Cowboys roll because that's how their owner rolls because he has outsized expectations all the time. So anything short of winning the Super Bowl is going to be considered a disappointment. And then he's going to have Sean to go to, and he's going to hire Sean Payton. So he'll be with the Cowboys in the 2023 season. Um, but for now, the Saints' job is open. To be, They actually interviewed Aaron Glenn, Lions defensive coordinator, former defensive backs coach for the Saints before he came to the Lions. It'll be interesting to see if he gets that job. I, I hope he does for his sake, but selfishly, I hope he stays with the Lions because he did a very good job the defense last year. So Jacksonville's open, Minnesota's open, Houston's open, Saints are open. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. What's the other job I'm missing here? Oh, Miami, right? Miami needs a coach. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, I thought Brian Flores would get would get more play. And look, maybe he's going to get one of these jobs. Um, maybe he gets. Well, first of all, it looks like Byron Leftwich is going to get the Jacksonville job. Which, you know, there's a lot of obviously obvious synergy there, right? He's the office coordinator for Tampa Bay. He started his career in the NFL as a first-round pick for Jacksonville and was a good quarterback in the NFL. He wasn't great, but he was good. Um, and they've got you know Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. So you want, ostensibly, you would think you'd want to hire a coach that works well with quarterbacks. And that's what Byron Leftwich did. I mean, he was a quarterback coach first uh, in Arizona with Arians. Arians took him to Tampa Bay to be the coordinator. Um, so... That'll be interesting to see uh, if he gets that job. Uh, it's a bad job, as we've talked about, right? Because the owner doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, but, you know, that that seems like a a, a, a good marriage. Um, Minnesota, again, perhaps, supposedly Harbaugh may be going there. If you're Harbaugh, you should go there. I mean, he took Michigan as far as it can go. Michigan is not going to be Ohio State. You actually have to get, like, good grades and 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 you know, to go to Michigan. They like they actually have standards for their players, unlike Ohio State. Ohio State's hard to get into as a normal student these days, but not if you're a football player. So, you know, Michigan's never going to be able to get the same athletes Ohio State gets. They're never going to get the same athletes the SEC school gets. Um, so he's taken that program as far as it can go. And 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 it was now just this year that they finally got over the hump and beat Ohio State for the first time since he's been there that, you know, he kind of is appreciated. So, uh, and look, the guy's the guy's got a good record as a pro coach too. I mean, did a good job at San Francisco. So I could see him going to Minnesota. Houston, again, we already talked about McCown. And the Saints, who knows? And the Dolphins, who knows? So 
All right, because Denver hired their guy. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Ten, ten jobs. Started with eight. Now we're at ten. Nuts. Just crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I I suspect you'll see some guys getting hired maybe this week, probably. Um, you know, that, that we sort of in the quiet period, the week off before the Super Bowl. So, um, in any event, that's going to do it for this week's show. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back with another show pre-Super Bowl, break it all down. But until then, thanks for listening. Catch us anywhere you get your podcasts and peace out.